Okay, so I promised you an overview. He hasn't been here the last like four or five weeks. We have been so <laughs> even bigger overview. Okay, so I'll step back a little bit more. So anybody who is in the class or has been in the class for some amount of time, um, just kind of bear with me. So we have been for the last three or four years walking through a study of systematic theology. Um, we are, for those who are, have been here along the way, drawing close to an end to that. So there's some light at the end of the tunnel for you. Um, but now we find ourselves um, in the last month or so, last couple of months, examining the church. And now we find ourselves examining the idea of what does a healthy church look like? How can we examine God's Word and draw out from it truths that we can then use to look inwardly on ourselves, to ask ourselves, um, are we walking faithfully? Are we seeking to be, as a community of believers, drawn closer uh, to God? So that's what we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. I'm going to give you uh, 13 uh, kind of areas or principles or, or ideas that we've been looking at along the way, some in uh, much more or much greater detail than others. Um, and then I'm going to save for last the one that we'll be covering today. So um, these are in no particular order outside of the first two that I give you. Um, so the first two I would kind of myself personally put in order this. The first I would say is a love for Christ uh, when we're thinking about what a healthy church looks like, um, you can't love Christ unless Christ has called you to himself. Uh, so um, a church that does not love Christ does not know Christ. Uh, so the first thing that I would say is we should examine a, a body of believers' love for Christ when we consider the health of that church. The second thing um, is I think that biblical doctrine or a church's understanding of the centrality of the Word of God for the life of believers is without question, um, second only to their love for Christ because Christ has loved them and called them to Him, uh, something that we should be considering when we consider the health of a church. A church that does not preach God's Word, a church that is not faithful in all ways uh, to the Scripture being its source for truth is not going to ultimately live Long After that, and these are in no particular order, uh, proper use of sacraments, proper use of church discipline, genuine worship, effective prayer, effective witness, effective fellowship, biblical church government, spiritual power in ministry, individual and personal holiness, and one, we holding one another to that, a care for the poor, and then tonight, or this morning, we're going to be looking at unity. So as we do that, there's I'm, I'm hoping to wrap this up today. We're going to cover two places in Scripture to examine this. If you would be turning with me to John chapter 17, we're going to start there and examine this. And then we're going to go and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 and finish up there. So I'm going to read verses 17, uh, so John chapter 17, verse 17, and I'm going to read from verse 17 down to verse 23. 
this is a particularly interesting um, mark when we examine it. Uh, this is one that uh, Christ himself is going to give us kind of a, a, this is a, this is something you will be known by in the world. So, um, though I wouldn't put this one um, in that number one or number two spot, I think that when we consider the way that the world looks at the church, this is one of those marks of a healthy church that uh, we ought to consider because the world will know him through the church. So a lack of unity in this regard um, goes against everything that Christ has set up for the church. Okay. Another element that I want us to see as we're digging through this is that that um, kind of number two principle, that biblical doctrine. I want you to understand, especially as we go over into Ephesians chapter four, how one flows into another. So when we're considering the the health of a church, the marks of a healthy church, and unity being one of those, and we consider is a church unified. I want especially those who teach or preach. I want us to understand that if the church is not unified, it is directly connected to the effectiveness of those teachers and preachers in teaching and preaching the Word of God. So any disunity ultimately rolls up to those who are teaching and preaching God's Word. So there's some there's some uh, really important things for leaders within a church to consider when we look at unity. We can't just look at disunity within a church and say it's your fault or your fault or your fault or your fault. Ultimately, that, that is going to be something that um, there, there is some accountability in, in the hands of those who are teaching and preaching um, when disunity is... Uh, something that can be seen within the church. So, John chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them. Uh, I, I backed up just, <laughs> sorry, I backed up a little bit from where I had originally um, thought about taking a step into this um, because as I was, as I was kind of preparing through the Ephesians section, um, that's where really this like connection between what's taught and unity um, really kind of jumped out at me. And as I stepped back to here, I was like, it covers it in both places. So let's just step back here. So I want us to see what Christ is asking um, and praying for for us here. Uh, and he, in verse 17, says, Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. What is truth? Whose word? Dustin's word? My word? Anyone else who stands up and gives an eloquent speech? Their word? Whose word are you sanctified in? God's word. God's word. I do not ask for these only. So he's not only asking for those who can hear him praying this prayer. I do not ask for those only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. 
So he's praying for us in this text here that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So what is he asking for here? What's he asking for for those who hear him and for those who they will preach to and who they will preach to and who they will preach to ultimately reaching us, ultimately who we will as the church preach to so that the next generation and the generation that comes after that and the generation that comes after that, what is he praying for for them? That they would be what? Unified. In Christ. A couple of things that I think about here. Who's praying this? Dustin, who's praying this? Okay, so uh, is Jesus faithful to the Father? Is is, Is he loved by the Father? Is there any question about whether or not the Father hears the Son's prayer? Now the question is, is the Father going to be faithful in answering the Son's prayer? So if this word is true, then what we ought to see play out is what? Unity. Unity. Amongst God's people. The glory... So I'm going to continue on here. He, he, another thing to point out here is this purpose by which he's kind of seeking in this. So that the world may believe that you have sent me how many of you have ever heard someone take a shot at jesus by way of the church i would go but insert excuse pointing at the church how many of you have ever heard something like that like i i believe but i would never go to church because insert excuse Pointing at the church. Now, I will go ahead and say up front that many of those are simply that. They are excuses, right? Um, The church is messy. The church has problems because we are people and we are together being sanctified by the Spirit. But God is faithful to the Son and does bring unity to His church. So if we're considering the health or the mark of a healthy church and we find complete and utter disunity in all places, in all things, then we ought to ask ourselves, is God present and working in that place? Are those believers? This should be something that we ask ourselves when we examine ourselves here. Now, he's doing this for the purpose that the world might see him in us. When you go out into the world, the way that you talk about your own church, the way that you talk about other churches, we ought to consider this in the way that we communicate. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that unity looks like everyone thinking the exact same thing at all times. Okay? I'm also not saying that like... Okay, so I have a, I have a, a, a good friend um, who is Catholic. And one of the knocks that, that, a, that someone from a Catholic 
worldview would tend to throw out um, the Protestants is, well, look at all the denominations, right? And they would point at that as a sign or symbol of disunity within the Protestant church. Now, if the Protestant church and all the denominations that make it up are not centrally focused on Christ, and at many times, let's be honest, we could, we could be focused on other things, um, but if we're not centrally focused on Christ, that's a, that's a significant problem. But if we are all together in ultimately the purpose pointing to Christ, knowing that the secondary issues that do bring us to worship in different places are that, are secondary issues, not the primary issues, then when we come together in missions for the work of God and spreading the gospel, that it doesn't matter what denomination you find yourself in, that we can come together in this this is what I mean by unity okay if you find yourself reading the word of God and and you feel like the spirit's leading you to a particular form of worship that can't that you don't find here perhaps that form of worship is one where instruments are not used and it's all just the voice of the believer singing and, and you find that for yourself to be something that leads you to another church, God bless you in that. That is not division, okay? Unless you make that division. You can make that division because you can elevate that secondary thing to be the primary thing and in so doing, bring division. Here's what I'm saying is that the denominations that hold to the truths that we hold to, Right Now, there are some that would call themselves denominations that have gone far from the truths of the gospel, right? That it's Christ alone, through grace alone, by faith alone. And we know this how? Through the word of God alone. If, if these central core elements are there in that denomination, they are brothers and sisters in Christ with us. And if they choose to worship or serve in a way that it doesn't make sense for us to come together, then we would hope that they would still worship and serve. But it's okay to have those differences in those secondary and tertiary areas, so long as those core elements are there. So when, when that Catholic brother would mention that issue to me, the thing that I would Raise is that you are misunderstanding the purpose and place of denominations. And I would also go out on a limb and say many people who find themselves in denominations likely misunderstand the person, place of those denominations, right? And I think in, sometimes it, from within pulpits you can see this because there will be denomination bashing amongst what would ultimately be brothers in many of the core elements of of faith, right? So when we consider this, I want us to consider the way that we think about the church as well, right? How do you think about other brothers and sisters in Christ who will be in heaven with you, but they may worship at a different denomination than you, right? If you let it, let us be, let us show much grace and generosity in those areas that are not those core areas, 
those areas that are make or break for you being a Christian, period. That's what I'm talking about, right? Let us show much grace in those areas because what we may find and what they may find, what certainly we all will find is one day Jesus will teach us something in heaven, right? And we will realize that we had that particular thing wrong here, okay? Now, there are certain elements that we all ought to come to clear understanding if we are His and we are led by the Spirit when we look at God's Word. Those core tenets of the faith. Those hills to die on. But if we're honest with ourselves, many times we make things that are not hills to die on the things that we would cause to separate us between denominations and and perhaps even not associate with one or the other or perhaps you tell your children not to associate with someone that believes from this denomination or that denomination right like i'm sure either you've seen this or um you you may partake in this yourself i don't know um but let this be part of that element of teaching that helps lead us to unity if you do find yourself uh, in that place because the world is looking at the church and when the church is unified in its core mission and purpose uh, you can see the effectiveness of the church in the world um, and the world can see Christ in the church because that type of unity is something that is supernatural y'all get that right y'all we probably live in one of the most divisive times in history you could go on to your social media platform of choice and be fed by an algorithm something to cause you to hate or divide yourself away from someone else that is the time that we find ourselves in. We find ourselves, in some sense, in that regard, that this is a time of darkness, where, where division seems to be more common than unity. Now, here's the thing. The church has, in these moments of darkness, a great opportunity to be light. Unity, when everyone else around you is divided is a great opportunity, right? Is a great opportunity. And we can be hopeful that the son who prayed this prayer to the father who loves the son because they've loved each other from before the world was founded, this father will be faithful in this work, not only for those who heard him, not only for the early church, but for the church that came from their preaching and teaching, from theirs until today, and that he will be faithful to us as well in that. So, um, again, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish reading this, and then we're going to step over into Ephesians really quickly. So, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now, I want to tell you that um, what he says here, if you understand how Christ and the Father are one, this is, this is an impossible task for us. This is something that if, that if he's talking about bringing a unity to his people 
in the same way that the Father and Son are one, this is something that can only be accomplished through supernatural means. This is not something that we have within ourselves to like, okay, the way that we're going to bring unity is we're going to have this like, we're going to have food and fellowship and then we're going to come and we're going to sit and you know, like you're going to, we're going to randomize who sits where just so that we can maximize the number of people who interact with new people that they haven't interacted with in some man-made attempt to like bring unity amongst believers. This is a supernatural type of unity that we're, that we're talking about here. You may be the most extroverted person in this room and you cannot accomplish this type of unity through any like external extroverted activity that you could conceive of in your mind. So what that should lead us to is this fundamental understanding that for this unity to be real amongst us, we have to plead to the same one that the Son pled to for unity. Do you want to be united in a way that the world looks at the church and says, "There's only like they, it must be true what they what they claim," because I see in them and in the way that they've come together something that's unique that I can't find in any other place outside of the church. Then you had better be praying for it. You'd better be praying for unity. How many of you pray for unity on a regular basis? Don't raise your hands. I'm asking, just think about it. How many of you pray for unity amongst the body of believers that you gather together with on a weekly basis? How many of you concern yourselves with us being unified? What do I mean by unified? Ultimately, what I mean by unified is that we are together on this purpose, that Christ be glorified in all the world. That there are those who do not know Him that will know Him because we lived here now. That there are places that are unreached that will be reached because of actions that we take here now. That the commission that He gave to His disciples is our commission. Let us be unified in that. Let us be unified in that. We may disagree on the means. We may disagree on the methods. That's okay. Ultimately, that Christ is glorified. That there is no place on the planet where His name is not lifted high. That there is no culture that He is not impacting actively today. That's the mission. Let us be unified in that mission. And here's the thing. If you find yourself here today thankful that you are in a church today that worships Christ today, consider that over years and years and years it took faithful men and women with this same purpose and direction unified together that Christ's name might be glorified where it was not yet glorified for you to believe today. It's easy for you to take it for granted today because in many ways we live in a post-Christian society. Right? There are many underlying values that you take for granted that you don't realize that if you 
plucked yourself out and placed yourself in a place where Christianity hadn't been what it was here, that you wouldn't have the same freedoms that you have today. Okay? Um, let us be the reason that in the future others can worship freely. Because we've changed the cultures that we find ourselves in. Can I do that myself? Can I do that? Can I change, can I change a city, a nation, a world by myself? Can you? Can any of you do that? It's a tall task, right? Like to ask that of anybody would be to ask too much, it would seem. But together, is it impossible for us together? Perhaps you look and you look around and there's a certain number of people and you're like, what skill sets do we have? How can we ever bring this about? And then it might seem, even with the numbers that we have here today, to be something that's beyond us. And then I ask, well, what about if we join with the other churches? in our area? What if those churches, what if all the churches in the area joined with other churches? What if we were unified in a mission to take Christ to the places that Christ hasn't gone or to places to where it would seem like he's been pushed out of? Right? What if we were unified in this? I think the world would see it. I think it would have an impact that that we might be Perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. That's the end of verse 23 there. So that the world may know that you sent me. This unity that he's praying for, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Our unity, our unity will be a sign of Christ being sent by the Father and the Father's love for his people. I pray that that's the case. Let's flip now to Ephesians. If you would turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start reading in verse 11 here. Let's see what kind of time we got. We, we have about just a little shy of 15 minutes. I'm going to try to do this in 10. We'll see. <laughs> if, you, if you've been here with me for any length of time, you know that's a tall, a tall task for me. Um, we'll see. Uh, we, can, we can always hope. Uh, so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints. Okay, I'm going to roll back a little bit here. So apostles, those are gone. Prophets, um, be very wary if someone tells you that they are a prophet. Um, Evangelists, we know what those are. Like example of that, someone like a Billy Graham would be an example of that. Uh, Shepherds. And teachers. So this would be if, when we push into shepherds and teachers. Here we see uh, what you would see on any given Sunday when you come into a church. You see those who are shepherding the flock, those who are teaching. They do this to equip the saints. 
Okay, so teachers, this is this is kind of that part, Dustin, where I was talking about that. Like when we look at this, um, ultimately it's going. There's there's a sense in which it rolls back. So shepherds and teachers, if you find yourself as a shepherd and teacher, listen up to this. Um, He's given these. So these are gifts that God has given to his church ultimately to bring this um, this unity together. So he gives shepherds and teachers to equip. So who are we equipping? We are equipping the church, right? The saints. For what? The work. Okay, I wanna I wanna say that again. Are you don't raise your hand. Are you a believer? Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe the words of this book, that they are true? You fall into the saints who are here for the work of ministry. So shepherds, teachers, equip. Part of what I'm trying to do this morning is that work of equipping. The saints, this is you. If you follow after, chase after Christ, if you love Him, if you believe He is, if you believe His word... You fall into this category of the saints. Your work for ministry is what this class is about. right? Your work. Um, something to take away from that is that you ought to be doing something. <laughs> um, a lot of times we look at church in a very like passive sense. You go into the sanctuary and you are given and then you go home and you go about your business. The work of the shepherd is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So you ought to be you ought to be as saints working within the church in some capacity, using the gifts that He's given you, um, using the gifts that He highlights during these times of equipping. He's equipping you for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. This is edification here. So, so the so the shepherds, the teachers, we uh, we equip the saints. The saints work in their ministries, building up, edifying the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So. There's an equipping that takes place in this setting of teaching, in the setting of preaching in the sanctuary. The goal is to equip the saints, and the saints should be working in the areas in which God has called them to build up the body of Christ. To build up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So um, one thing that I want to point out here is that you have a part that you all play in the building up of the church for unity. If you find yourself this morning with the question, what part do I play here? And you just go away as soon as you walk out there and think nothing else of it, then you are lacking in the ministry that God has called you to in the church that He's placed you in. Right? So part of what you should be thinking of when we consider this is what part do I play in this? Lord, help me to understand that. Part of the way that you find that out is you come into classes and you study and you listen and you hear um, 
You come into the sanctuary, you study, you listen, you hear. And God will, if you seek, show you where you are to be used. And in so doing, you will build up the body of Christ. And we will attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. One of the, like, this is, you have a work. I have a work. Uh, any preacher that stands in the pulpit um, has a work. We are working together. And this is not new if you've been in class. We've talked about this, that we're working for one another's maturity in the faith. Um, we are working to the maturity of each and every individual here that we would grow up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Are we paying attention to this, this this unity, like this idea of a body working, unified together? And when each part of the body does its work, when each part, the last part of that verse 16, when each part is working properly, that's you. That's not just the teachers. That's not just the preachers. That's the saints that he's speaking about being equipped for ministry. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So much nurture talking, and I remember studying that, and there's so much nurture. Sounds like a parent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not just what we do inside this, like you said, on Sunday when we meet and we equip, but it's to equip to be the church Monday through Saturday yes. uh, in all our different walks of life. And yeah. It doesn't matter where you are, there is disciple making to do. Yes. God will be faithful, God will bring unity. Um, as we close out today, um, here's what I want to leave you with. Um, if we desire this mark to be seen clearly in us. We need to start in prayer first. We need to echo the prayer of Christ in this. That God would make us one as they are one. That the world might know Him by the unity that they see in the church. Like you'll be known by this. That you were his disciples. Like that's a that's significant. That's significant. Um, a second takeaway watch how you talk about the church. What I mean like be careful how you talk about the church. Especially if you're a believer. Like, I expect someone that's not a believer...
to talk down to the church. Um, we are the bride of Christ. Like, <laughs> who thinks I'm going to let somebody get away with talking about my wife, right? Like, we're talking about the Savior of the world who's chosen a people for himself. Let's be careful how we talk about the church. Let us be eager to build one another up. And, and last takeaway, if you are a part of the church, right? And we've got many people, and uh, some of you uh, seeing for the first time maybe even, like maybe you're visiting today or, or whatever. Maybe you have another church that is your home church. Um, maybe you don't. If you have a home church, um, perhaps God le- God leads us into other places, right? He does that. Um, if you have a home church, uh, I would ask that you would be faithful to them, right? Like, I'm not saying that God can't call you away from either. Um, if you find yourself here, and this is the place that for this moment in time God calls you to. Seek how you as a member of this body can work properly. When each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Seek to be used. Seek to be used. I'm going to close this out in prayer. And then we will go into the preaching and worship time.